Uh, maybe Not to mention you, your practice is with a mission right now because you got this tour coming up. Yeah. So you don't want to waste your time on anything that's not going to help you with that. Not don't want to. I cannot. You can't. I, like, literally, to. I will be screwed because yeah. unless I'm going to backtrack my uh, I, I remember, guitars, which I don't want. To. I remember we were <laughs> hanging out. And Is it I too think, late to make the record easier to play? Or? <laughs> I'll just I'll backtrack it. I got it. <laughs> so it's time to do the guitar solo, and you just turn around and press play on a laptop, and then just like chilling, hands behind your head. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Matt Elias Music Podcast with me, your host, Matt Elias. Have you ever heard a musician whose playing was so good that you couldn't even begin to imagine how they got to that level? And if you're a player yourself, have you ever found yourself comparing your own playing to someone on that level and wondered, how on earth could I even begin to bridge the gap between where my playing is and where uh, these high-level or professional players are? I, for one, have found myself asking all of these questions at one point or another, and that's why on this week's episode, I have assembled a small panel of professional guitarists who play on a very high level in the technical death metal genre. Tyler Cox is composer and guitar player in his band Simulacra, which is working on an upcoming full-length release to be out soon. Keep an eye out for that. And Nick Padovani is a guitarist, composer, and all-around madman behind uh, the band Equipoise, whose album Demiurgis has just released in the past few weeks and is really selling well, especially for a technical death metal album. In our conversation, we talk about the paths that they have taken to get to the level of musicianship that they are at today. The conversation also veers into songwriting and the way that their technique informs the way that they write songs. So to understand how all of that fits together and how anyone even maintains uh, this high level of playing technique, you're going to want to listen to my conversation with Tyler Cox and Nick Padovani. Tell me about, just as an open conversation, about how the path started for you on your instrument and getting to the level you're at now. Well, for me, it kind of started out where... You know, I was just kind of listening to, you know, music and guitar is really what stood out for me as the thing I really dug. I grew up, you know, with a lot of grunge music, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, uh, Melvin's, The Works, you know, just that really, honestly, not that shreddy heavy and stuff, but uh, just, you know, really heavy guitar is the main factor in the music. Yeah. And that's kind of what drew me into guitar playing. And honestly, I kind of, strangely enough, owe a lot of it to Guitar Hero. And not in the manner of like, oh, Guitar Hero taught me how to play guitar. Or Interesting. Like that. Likewise. But, um, Both you guys. Yeah. So that's what got you interested in, in shredding. Not only was it, um, you know, like, yeah, this is kind of like mimicking guitar, which obviously got me the idea of like, man, like, I'd love to really, you know, learn how to play guitar one day. But the people who chose the music for those games the people who actually decided like this, these are the songs we're going to use picked very good music that had very good guitar stuff in it and was objectively in my opinion or subjectively <laughs> uh great music that had awesome guitar stuff in it and with that so guitar hero turns you on to a lot of music yeah absolutely um and what really happened was listening to music wise i got into you know, I listened to a lot of my metalcore and stuff like that, you know, yeah. back in the day. Um, 
I kind of expanded into progressive metal. You know, I still to this day think Between the Buried and Me are one of the best bands ever. And one of the things you mentioned that really stood out to me about Between the Buried and Me is that each musician and even the singer is doing something impressive, something that stands out. Right. Not just the guitarist. Right. It's not just a guitarist. I was like, holy shit. I remember just, it's not even like a complex passage. I remember hearing a formal gluttony. I just love that like bass interest. It's really like Tom heavy tribal sound. Like the bass is doing this really cool Mm -hmm. lick. And I was just like, man, like it, this is making me respect the other instruments. Well, so first and foremost, you got inspired to start getting good on the guitar (laughs) just based on the the music that you were hearing. Right. That's exactly the case for most people. And what broke me into being like, I want to fucking play my ass off. Yeah. Was I remember, I was just on YouTube back in like 06, 07, those like super early days, just like listening to stuff. And I heard Scarified by Racer X. Uh-huh. And I remember just being enthralled yeah. by how technical it was. You heard that and, and it put you in the woodshed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I get this kind of thing. And it's the reason I like a lot of progressive music and, you know, odd time signatures, polyrhythmic things, and even like syncopated stuff. I like because I like that aspect of, your expectations being subverted musically and even you know listening to yes rush you know and stuff like that you know because i I listened to a lot of that growing up too that's what you know really got me interested progressive music like that is sort of you are kind of gated off from playing that unless you get your chops up to a high level oh yeah a lot of that stuff you, you you can't keep up with it right what about you nick so you were i'm sure you were inspired by a bunch of bands as well that pushed you but talk a little bit about how you ended up down the path to you know pushing the instrument so far um i was super into blink 182 when i was in sixth grade it started first with lincoln park um that was in fifth grade and i didn't play anything then but i moved to florida and my aunt had a guitar i don't know i just kind of like started screwing around with it because uh-huh. like I, I was like watching a lot of blink 182 music videos and this and that and i don't know i just like wanted to emulate it yeah I didn't know what I was doing. I just fucking strummed the strings and like popped them and stuff. And I remember one time I was playing and I like popped all the strings and just had big cuts across my hand. Like there's blood everywhere. The strings cut your fingers? I cut like the palm of my hand and everything. Yeah. (laughs) I just popped. Like I strummed and it just and it just cut my hand up and like. Did do you mean the strings broke? And the strings like snapped so quick that it just (laughs) gashed across. Oh, you got that like micro cut. On like a massive level, basically. No, like the strings like, whipped across and cut my finger. Oh, holy or my, my uh, palm, rather. Yeah, oh, it was geez. just like blood everywhere. I got hit in the eye with uh, a broken string once. Yes, I don't ever want to do that. Ooh. That would not feel good. But well, why would anybody want to do that? But uh, <laughs> I don't know what yeah, people so are like into. I, I got into, I was big into Blink-182 and I was trying to emulate that. Then I moved back to Pittsburgh and um, I don't know, I started like looking into reading tabs and uh, I was like, I did all the stupid basic songs and... Mm-hmm. I sucked at it, but, you know, I tried. I, I learned. So just on your own, no teacher. Yeah, no teacher or anything like that. But, I, you know, I just, I practiced it, and mm-hmm. I eventually, you know, it started becoming songs. Like, I remember I played uh, Sugar We're Going Down a lot. Yeah. Like, I was super into Fall, Fall Boy, Boy and yeah. American, uh, Green Day. I was going to say American Idiot, but Green Day I was super into. Like, I was playing all their songs because they were easy. and Yeah. Um, I just remember, I want to say it was about eighth grade when Guitar Hero 3 came out. That sounds about right. I remember there's one song in particular I really liked, which was FCP Remix. Uh-huh. And Wonderful I got song. Super into the Fall of Troy, and like I wanted to get a guitar that looked like his, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was like some Schecter. What did he play, Schecter? I don't remember. No, he didn't play Schecter. He played some, but it was like a similar body. It was just an S cut, but 
Yeah. He inspired me a lot because he was nuts. And I just got like a guitar that was more... Before that, I had like a first act I was playing on. So I right, didn't really right. have shit, but... The, the elite of guitars. It was, You know, it was enough because I wasn't like sick or anything. But I screwed around on that and I had fun. And then I um I got into a band called The Number 12 Looks Like You real heavily. Yeah. And then... I was into them too. Uh, From there, I just kind of started... Grindcore. Yeah, they're like grindy, <laughs> mathy, whatever. But I got into... Uh, death metal from there. My friend gave me an iPod that just had like a bunch of death metal and death core. Yeah. I got like as blood runs black and oh, hell yeah, ooh, dude, they're great. Yeah. Annotations of an autopsy. Just like yeah. barely, like, I, I didn't love them, but I was like, listen, I'm despised icon, but there was one I band. Was, that I stuck still out. really like despised icon. Actually, they, they okay. I'm down with them. Yeah. I'm there, down. there was one band that really stuck out to me. And that was, um, the black Dolly murder. And I was like, I fell mm. in love with them. Same. And, hell yeah. And they got me like super into death metal. I kind of worked my way through death metal, got tired of the modern stuff, went on like a kick of just like 90s mm-hmm. death metal and like the real progressive scene At the and gates like thrash and metal, uh, more like cynic, like cynic, yeah, like cynic and a lot of stuff like that. But then- You're a big atheist fan too, right? I love atheists, yeah. Atheist. And, and a lot of technical thrash metal. And that's like what I was playing guitar was, was a lot of stuff that was like 90s inspired. Yeah. So I didn't really take it super serious, but that's what I was, you know, where my mind was. Then Fury put out Path of Apotheosis in 2014. And that album made me want to start playing kind of what I play today. Right. Just like the more modernized technical death metal sound. And yeah, ever since then, that's kind of where I've yeah, been that's, at. So you're very, you're self-taught, but you're hearing your, your little story about how you got into the type of playing that you do. You're, well, both you guys really, but death metal like pushed you into playing the guitar like it's like you play the guitar so you can play death metal yeah i mean i've been, I've been <laughs> yeah. playing guitar for almost 14 years at this point so it's been yeah. a long time but i never like took it super serious like with guitar hero i went on a hiatus for probably three years because i was just like i wanted to get sick of guitar hero i was like man i could be getting good at guitar but it just didn't interest me as much so you yeah, stopped I playing hadn't. the guitar for three years so you could get good at guitar hero he got really good at guitar hero <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got super sick oh my of guitar God. Hero, he got really good at guitar hero wow not, not like god tier level but i was pretty good like You're i used to seeing dope songs though. I, I used to like go on <laughs> i used to go on like uh score hero which was like a forum where like everybody would play um i went crazy with it but yeah i got super into the drums used to I remember I threw a drumstick through my wall once because I just got, like I used to get real pissed with it. But. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't play guitar yet when I was playing Guitar Hero because I got the first. I got like one, two, and like I started on the first game, worked my way up. One thing about Guitar Hero though, it opened my mind dramatically in terms of music influences. Like I, I remember I had for rock band, I had Rust in Peace. Mm-hmm. I think I also had uh, Peace Cells. Mm-hmm. So I had both those albums, this DLC. I was like super in love with those. They were so sick. Yeah. Uh, I had moving pictures. I fucking love Rush, Rush so yeah. much. Um, I saw Rush my senior year in Ohio. It was like this huge arena. Oh my god! So I, I actually had an opportunity to see them, but uh, I was just like, I couldn't leave my house that summer. Basically, it wasn't like I was grounded. It was just yeah. more like I couldn't leave. And my no Canadians, His- Tyler. <laughs> my history teacher and my chemistry teacher wanted me to go see Rush with them because, like, they Little knew. Suspects, but, uh, e- easy there, Joe. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> um, Remember they what like, show this is? Yeah, yeah, easy there. <laughs> you know, no, this I is was, not the weeaboos in the uh, the, dark, the This is not the dark side. Yeah. <laughs> they knew I played music. They, I would like bring my guitar to school and stuff, and like. Everyone in my cafeteria, like that period, like we weren't allowed to go outside or go in the hallway. 
I kind of was under the radar, so they would let me like play my guitar in the little room and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, the history teacher and chemistry teacher, we talk music, and like they're like, "Hey, like we're going to see Rush. Like you should come. We know you love Rush." And I'm like, "I can't." And they're like, "Come on!" Like you know, like they knew I dug it. And now I think uh, you didn't get to go. I never got to see. That was my one shot to see Rush, basically. Yeah. So Tyler, you were bringing your guitar to school. Yeah. And. And practicing, getting good at school. I just got apathetic with school because it's school, you know, high yeah. school. And I went to a very just backwoods, low budget school that, you know, it just, it was, I think the best times I had there were meeting other musicians. And <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things I remember is uh, just, I would bring my guitar to school and uh, the shop teacher let me keep it in his class and then like certain periods that like i this is high school oh yes yeah, high school um when i go to lunch i just swoop in go do that and then i had his class after lunch so i just do that and then just go play in his room and stuff yeah that's he so may, cool he may or may not have just given me an a in his class because we like because <laughs> like i love shrapnel record shred and so did he so he was yeah. just kind of like, uh. So you kind of had like a little, like, uh. I had an inside. Not a mentor, but like, just like a, uh, an enabler, like a sponsor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He definitely enabled us in, high school. in bad ways. Cause me and my other buddy, <laughs> we both were just like super shred lovers. Like, I remember we had a uh, quote unquote club in school. And really it was just getting out of English class halfway through the period to yeah. go shred in a room that's awesome <laughs> it was awesome it was great how old were you when you started playing i was i think oof, like 14 15 so you picked up guitar on your own and you yeah. took lessons i know you had a yeah, teacher i took lessons when for a few years and i took lessons from when i started about uh, i'd say a year into me starting i started taking lessons okay and and you've never had lessons nick no i started when i was i, I will 11 uh-huh but say, you're all self-taught yeah you're, you're self-taught buddy uh-huh. right I started I, taking lessons when I was nine. Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, I got a guitar and I got lessons. I respect anybody who's self-taught. I'm never going to tell you like, oh, you know, you're self-taught. Like, that is dumb. That's asinine to me. Anymore with YouTube, but you can teach yourself. Absolutely. There's so many good teachers on ben YouTube. Ben Eller? Yeah, Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben's the fucking Uncle man. Ben taught me how to sweep pick. No Dude, lie. <laughs> Uncle Ben. Did he tell you you suck first? Ah, uh, he did, yeah. <laughs> you always, you always yeah, that's that's, I did that's suck. a thing in life though. I suck. You always you I always suck to hear that. <laughs> you, and that's a good thing with guitar is uh, yeah. so many people expect to pick it up and be able to you know crush Wonderwall, bro. And it's like I remember going in there and he, my guitar teacher was just like, "Hey, man, like." And not only that, he's like one of those shrapnel record shred kind of dudes of that aesthetic, um, and. He was just like, before we get to the dope shred stuff, I got to make sure you know how to do everything right. And he taught me form, position, and stuff like that. Yep. And the things he taught me still ring true today. When I'm learning new things, how I attack new stuff. Same here, actually. Like, the the things that stuck with me are, like, the methodology of how you go about figuring something out. Right, like exactly. For me, it was, like, the first thing I started learning, the lessons were, like, we would learn music. I'd learn to read and I would learn theory. Right. And then the last part of the lesson would be whatever like rock song I wanted to figure out. Dude, same, same. Yeah. I remember him teaching me something because I was having trouble. So I'd write a riff and then I'd write another riff. Yeah. And then 
I would have trouble doing both of them together. Yeah. And he cracked me with a lick and I was like, he's like, you have to understand how you're ending something and how you can transition to something beginning. He was teaching you songwriting, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and Nick, your early playing was, you were writing riffs like, that's what was pulling you into the guitar, right? Oh, dude, no. It was like incoherent uh, bout. I mean, it was just literally like, <laughs> like my hand, like I barely knew how to fret or anything. Yeah. But no, like I'd always just do stupid like riffing. But it was like, yeah. you know, it was like when I, a lot of people start guitar where you weren't even doing chords, you're just doing like single notes, like yeah. real shitty, like real disjointed, like stiff wrist, like, ugh, like you're, like you're picking, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, and, the uh, gnarled yeah. wrist. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, pretty much at any point I was listening to music, I was always trying to write my own stuff. Yeah. I would never say, honestly, the first thing I could say I wrote that was a song, quote unquote, was Duelis Femel from my album. That's that's about it. Like, that's the, probably the first song I ever actually wrote that, that was, was the first thing. So what and what did that look like in its first form? I, I modded up a couple keys. I added those solo sections in the middle, like, to kind of stretch it out. But that was easy. It was just, like, following the same scale and adding, like, riffs that just felt logical in terms of pacing but, but yeah basically the opening and all that stuff it's it's all structured the same and the ending i mean it was cool i just kind of like sat there and i was like riffing around with my friend and i didn't like skip around or anything i just was like okay here let's do this let's do this let's do this and i just went through and yeah that's good that's good flow so yeah. I, write, I write from the back always like i i don't i'm not a i know a lot of people have like their the riff writers, like, oh, yeah, mm. I have my riff folder. I'm like, I don't get th that concept to me is so foreign. I never understood that because it's so like, you're talking like just writing a, a little idea and then stopping. Yeah, and a lot of people do that. And I don't think it's wrong or anything. But for me, like, that's so. You like to write a whole song beginning to end. I write front to back, like, without fail. Like, I've never once taken or extracted a riff from one section and put. I'd like that, I, actually. I like to kind of use it as a challenge sometimes because I do have my riff folder, which, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think in 2016, my hard drive died. You lost, did you lose a bunch of riffs? I lost, I think, like 60 riffs. Ugh. That was hard yeah. because I thought I backed it all up and I improperly backed it up. I would but, uh, rage. Oh, dude, like I remember Nick was the first person I told it happened <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, I remember. And I <laughs> am so happy for it because I was so content with, I was like, I wrote uh, this great album, yeah. all this and that. Yeah, and but then, none of it's done. You got 60 riffs and no songs. Right. And, well, what happened was I did have an album written, and I basically was like, I wrote it like, I had written it like a couple years ago, yeah. and I was like, man, I'm such a better player, I can make better songs yeah, that, now. That's, that's my whole big thing here is like, in my mind, mm -hmm. if you have, for example, a riff, uh, riff idea, mm -hmm. and you're not flowing a song out of that off the bat, I feel like it's a futile effort at that point because yeah. if it's just not a natural, and this is just how I feel, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. I process. do disagree, and I will, and, but I do understand where you're coming from. In my mind, like if you can't take that riff and just naturally, like for me, when I'm writing a song, I will know whether it's material that I'm, I feel is competent. Yeah. Like if if I take this riff, it's either usually going to start the song, or it's going to be at the very beginning of the song, or like you know I can add some intro piece before it or whatever but yeah very rarely do i ever do that i kind of get a melody in my head and play it mm -hmm. out and if i feel inspired i'll flesh it out and if not i stop and then i realize well if i stopped then like, it, you, if the riff's right. not inspiring you it's then flow. it's not good you like to keep the flow yeah basically. and then i'll just move on with it I, f I feel like i don't know I, I feel like at any point in time if i'm not immediately inspired by a riff i can just do better yeah and that's um, what you can always do better is, is my attitude so yeah, no doubt the reason i'll pocket my riffs like that is because 
it'll be something. It's a fucking like dick ripper of a riff. Yeah. But, you know, my brain has this weird thing where I'll just be mentally in a weird key. I'll be mentally in a certain tempo and I'll write something out of that. And I kind of go like, well, I'm not writing in this mindset right now. Yeah. I And I kind of hold it for that. I but do I too. Also, I, if I have a good idea, my brain doesn't function properly. I will forget oh, like 10 seconds from now. So I have to record oh, exactly it. exactly And I'll come back. I've actually, I have songs mm-hmm. that I stumbled on a riff from the riff folder. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. Oh, this fits perfectly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I did it. I, uh, he made fun of me. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, the song, I don't know if you guys know. Again, I don't know how intimate you guys are with the album. At mm-hmm. least you. Uh, a Suit of My Flesh is the fourth yeah. track on our album. That one I came back to like near the end because I had the the beginning like first minute of it written. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was uninspired because I knew like I knew it would turn out to be a pretty strong song. Yeah, but I just kind of like, I had other stuff going on where I just kind of let it go. But yeah, I mean I agree with what you guys are saying that sometimes you're just not in that question. S- that frame. Nick, are you a procrastinator or are you a go 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 kind of person? I overwhelm myself, so kind of I force myself to be go 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 but it's not necessarily like i do procrastinate but yeah. I'm, a, I'm a last minute person but that's why i over that's that's why i'm doing four different projects is because if i'm so overloaded i don't give myself the chance to procrastinate i'm kind of making a tie between the the methodology because tyler and i sounds like we operate similarly yeah. but we're both procrastinators Very i know you much are so. and i am so well, bad yeah, procrastination <laughs> thing too i i find that a lot like of i'll know an idea that. is good and i'll be like I just don't have it in me to like finish this right now. Yeah, that's that's how my riff library came to be. Yeah, that ties into almost and what I think is a very detrimental thing to musicians is this (laughs) perfectionist mentality. That oh yeah, it's I almost I almost uh, tie in that perfectionism to egotism in ways because I feel like yeah I feel like it's it's a musician telling themselves that they think that they're you know they have this divine product that they're too yeah you know, like oh, who are you God, like yeah. exactly right. I, I think right uh, no offense to anybody that does it this way right. but i almost yeah. feel like it comes off as arrogant because it's like who the hell are you that you think your music's so well, incredible that like oh totally you have to keep yeah. Putting it off. Just put, <laughs> yeah perfection my, i mean it's a flaw perfectionism wrote, is not a virtue i, I wrote my absolutely, album and that's the key thing there, i wrote yeah. my album in a few months and i said screw it whatever comes out comes out i didn't yeah. really you know because there's humility in that. I mean, I, look at yeah. You can, you can yeah. come back with better stuff. You know, if, right. if you fuck up the first time, then just go back and do it again. Don't don't be so hung up on like this. Knowing you more, I've learned that talking to you and yeah. discussing it's music tough. with you, you can apply that to your technique too, and you're learn, learning lot, the instrument. Right. A lot of my quote unquote perfectionism these days is I have to like the song. I have to listen to this and be like, I objectively think this is good music. Yeah. If I was to listen to this and this wasn't me. Would I be like, fuck, this is good? Yeah. Or would I be like, no, it's all right. That is how and I want my writing to always be is like, I want to hear this song and pretend like I'm a listener yes. and listen and latch onto these aspects. That's how I wrote everything. I was like, man, this is a ripper and no ego. Right. But I still listen to my shit all the time because I, I enjoy it. It's like, I do it's too. And there's nothing wrong I with do that. Too. I, I literally sit at work and I have a song that I'm it's like in about your head to start recording. I'm about to start recording one of my songs. Uh, and it's stuck in my head because it's got some riffs I really like in it. And it's, and it's tough sometimes because you don't know if it's like it's stuck in my head because I'm so attached to it as a writer right. or, or because it's, it's actually good. good. Yeah. And but I, I remember going going back to the whole riff shop kind of like here's my riffs I have. You kind of made a joke. Uh, one of my songs. It was the last song on my album I wrote. Uh, there was a riff in it that. Basically, I really liked it. I uh, was like, 
I want to fucking make this work. It's a key change. It's a tempo change. It's all this. And I remember Nick, I showed him the final version of it. And he's like, man, he's like, you had to fit that in there, didn't you? He, he, was, like, he was like, you had, he's like, you fucking made that. He's like, you fucking yeah. like just did what you could to make that work. In that instance, that worked. But that's mm-hmm. another thing I think about is. Mm-hmm. Musicians have to know when to not try to fit something for the oh, sake of yeah. fitting it. Uh, I like, think that's oh, you know, that song was like a minute or two longer, and I, I was like, I got to take this. If out you can it make it fit, you can work. make it fit. But mm-hmm. I, I yeah. know, I know a lot of musicians, and I feel like that's where their their fall is because they kind of force a structure that yeah, should exist. Mm-hmm. I agree, that's a big thing. I read this thing somewhere, and it was about writing. I don't know, like literature or, or prose, like articles mm-hmm. and not music, but I think it applies. Some smart person said this quote that I'm going to butcher, but the, <laughs> but it applies. It's uh, you have to be willing to cut your baby, like the thing that you're like yeah. so attached 100%. to. You have to yeah. be able to you have to be able to cut it if it's not working. There's- I mean, my my technically what is now like I'm working on as a full length was an EP of stuff, which Nick is once again right. I still think some of my best songs. I was like, holy shit, I have a full band now. But like this album's gonna take forever, and I said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna just bust out some seven string songs because everyone in my band is has a seven string, is attuned to this. I don't want to have this like weird mess." Yeah, and like, I was like, "I busted out some songs." Because your concept was gonna be like six, seven, eight, if I recall, right? Yeah, six, you seven, eight. Some- well, it was seven and eight, and then like the last one's gonna be six. And I was like, "You're talking uh, six, like seven, eight string guitar, guitar, like, guitar yeah. like, His next album was gonna be eight strings, if I recall, and then yeah, it was gonna be some stupid, lame, like whatever. I still love eight strings. So you're going like, to tie the the type of instruments to the concept? Well, the whole deal is that the the next album was going to have a multitude of like instruments and stuff like that. Like I was going to have some six-string songs, some seven-string songs, some eight-string songs. Now I was like, man, I need to tone it down, cut the fat. And one of the fats was the six-string song was good, but it didn't really fit the project. The eight-string song's a fucking banger and needs to be on there. It's like one of my best written songs in my opinion. But... The seven string songs, I was like, I dig, but they just weren't good enough. Yeah. Like, they just weren't good enough. And I busted out some songs, and I, to this day, still think they're some of my strongest songs. They're newer. Um, It's a little less out there songwriting-wise, because I always like to follow the Between the Buried Me Pro to just fucking just do what's on your mind, dump it in there and stuff like that. Yeah. And deal with it later and clean it up after. Have you ever shelved a riff for technique or chops reasons Um, like this is good and i'm not good enough to be able to do this justice absolutely and it's mainly a deal of that when i write i write i write music to push myself as a guitar player and then after that it turns into how is this going to be as a as a musical thing Mm -hmm. and if something's really technical and cool like for example i write this really cool riff because like when i'm on my A game, my right hand is fucking dumb. And the problem is that I need to be playing every day constantly yeah. to meet, meet up with that. Yeah. And it's just like if I was to, because my idea is that dumb I want to play this. Good. Uh, yeah. Fast and <laughs> yeah, good. <yeah>. Dummy thick. <laughs> dummy thick. I have dummy <laughs> thick picking so when I'm on my A game. And the problem hey, was that dummy thick picking. Mm-hmm. Dummy, there's there's your uh, future pick line. Yeah, I uh, or, or, or like dummy thick man. apparel. Yeah, dude, dummy thick apparel. <laughs> Hell yeah, my fucking clothing line, my my merch line. Yeah, you can have that. That's free. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did you know like a uh, fucking Archspire that Stay Tech thing is their production company? 
Like that's their that's their whole entertainment. Anything under them, their merch, yeah. their music, like how they did everything. the hot the hot ones thing. Yeah, that's Smart. all under Stay Tech Enterprises. Yeah, somebody in that shop knows what they're doing business wise. Oh, they are their own is, managers but... and everything. They handle that shit super intelligently. Um, just with my music and writing stuff. And your dummy thick picking. Yeah, my my dummy thick picking. Um, <laughs> I was like, man, like this works. Like I had the one song I just finished that I sent Nick like yesterday. It had originally had this really cool gallop part that I basically had to do this like ridiculous economy picking style gallop to do and stuff like that. Yeah. That I'm sitting here like to make this sound good production wise, I would have to chop it up and to play that live. Punch it. Like, yeah, I would have to punch it in and and everyone punches in stuff, but it would just be so punched in. It wouldn't feel right for me as artistically. Right. And then plus you'd be, putting yourself in a jam as far as playing it live exactly because i do want to eventually play this stuff live and i would literally every show just be like I, I have a fun story <laughs> well it's not really a story but just a fun experience with yeah. that all when i did my ep i just i had the whole mentality like oh, sorry let's call it a demo because i don't want to call it an ep because i'm going to stick with our album being our debut it but is it is more of a demo if you realistically think it, about it is it, a though. demo it was it was like self-produced by mm-hmm. Don, whatever it was it was like yeah, Sanji did good work. Well, on those that. terms technically, I think they just relate to the length of the release. Like an yeah, EP, EP is yeah. however many minutes. But so, go ahead, your, so, your demo. Yeah. So, anyways, the demo, I, I didn't pay any mind to playability or anything like that because I recorded everything, and it was just very like you recorded this at home. Yeah, and it was you know I punched in everything. I didn't really care. I just want to like get the music that was in my mind out. Yeah. So the takes were kind of crappy, and there was stuff that was just with you know outside of my playability level. I have no problems admitting that to people i'll tell people i couldn't play that stuff like it was i'm sure there's people that could but like the acoustic opening and the ep like it was just too much for me and i was like nah man like i'm not that good i promise Mm -hmm. you but what i did for my full-length album is i grabbed a guitar because by the way for the demo i wrote everything exclusively in guitar pro but right without an instrument in your hands right for the most part but like entirely oh no yeah okay minus the fifth no fourth song on the EP, but yeah. So demo, Guitar Pro demo. is just a piece of software that you can transcribe music. You can write tab with it. Guitar Pro, definitely something that helped me learning music growing up. Well, uh, I didn't have a growing up, sadly. But well, <laughs> you uh, never grew up. I uh, I was I always, also never. I never grew up, so I always, I'm still working on. I was always good with computers, so like when I wanted Guitar Pro, I yeah. just put my iPad. Yeah, I just on. got it a couple. <laughs> actually, I just got it like six months ago at your suggestion. But I saw. I was like, yeah, you know, I think we have a chance of being like something. I was like, you know. I really want to consider playing live at one point. And I want to consider like, you know, I want to have a little more integrity Considered here. Considered as far as you're thinking about it while you're writing. Yeah. I'm being like realistic. Like I want to have integrity here. Yeah. I, I, at the time I didn't care, but now I'm like, no, I want to be, I want to, I want to be able to play all this like legitimately. Right. And I'm thinking myself right now, cause as I'm practicing for touring, like everything is mechanically playable. It was actually, and this is the challenge part that I loved. I took any riff that might've sounded more melodically uh, complex and I've, I challenged myself to make it sound as interesting while just dumbing down a bit. So, like, let's say something ah. played, like, four unique notes in a riff. I would dumb it down to, like, two or three and just kind of modify the fingering a little bit and modify the the note choices. So, And I do a lot of pedal point riffing, so yeah, it was nice because all I had to do was kind of modify the phrasing a little bit. And then yeah. by doing that, you know, you have your bass note and the octaves or whatever you're right, doing right pedal point being when you're holding on to a note and then yeah, moving go, the rest of the the structure around yeah. while and, you're and, still holding on and to and a lot of note. people think pedal points kind of basic but what 
they fail to realize is you can create like grooves with it and stuff because it's oh. it's all it's all oh, based yeah. on like you can do you know one two one two one two or you can do one one two one two you know you can mess yeah. with it. And I found by simplifying the music that I started kind of modifying my phrasings a bit to where my bass note and the the uh, the octave note were kind of disjointed a bit, and it created really interesting groove patterns. And yeah. I'm happy I did what I did because it definitely. Yeah, it might have sounded a little more crazier then, but it's 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 not enough. Like I don't listen to the album and regret making any of the changes I made. You know, I, so I, you so you made some changes based on those versions of these riffs that you you simplified them. Yeah, to see like if it they would literally still be good. they sound mm-hmm. like they're the same riff. Like I didn't really yeah. change the riff per se. It was just I changed kind of the little nuances of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. That's like being thorough as far as your your. Um, yeah, I played on guitar and I, I was like, I'm like, no, I'm just gonna do this and then yeah. Because you I know, like there, there was a window of time when uh, you were hanging at my place and I was learning um, Waking Divinity and I was like, I noticed that. I noticed those little variations you were doing where like I got this, I understood that you had a central vibe like rhythmically yeah. and you were changing things up and you were also using the melody as well. Waking Divinity is one of Nick's to, yes, songs. Uh, Waking Divinity from Equipoise uh, Demiurgis. Mm-hmm. Um, by the record. By the record. Pirate it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just uh, just like listen to it on YouTube and turn, just use like an ad block and then record yourself doing <laughs> oh my it God. and send that to Equipoise's Instagram. Yeah, I don't think Nick's <laughs> labels approving of this message yeah, that, right that, now. That's very silly. Please don't do that. He's great. The music's great. Um, I, I wrote a lick, so sound less enthusiastic about that. Why don't you? I wrote a lick on it, so uh. You know, <laughs> yeah, but so you were learning uh, Waking Divinity. Yeah, he was and, playing around with it. Yeah, and honestly, first of all, Sanjay, respect, dude. Seriously, like Sanjay picked up my lazy ass. Like I wasn't lazy ass, but I didn't have the time, unfortunately, because we were trying to get uh, production on the road. So Sanjay actually stepped up and recorded both rhythm tracks like a fucking god dude he is so much respect for him and he's like one of the sickest guitarists in the game but he's such yeah, a humble I dude do. and i think he's one of the best guitarists he's in the game so right good. Now. His, his vibrato his his tone his just phrasing like and everything slurm. he does like 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 it's funny because he can play really fast and shred really fast mm-hmm. but all of his mm-hmm. all of his phrasing these days is like almost eighth notes and like yeah just super jazzy no, like staccato and and you know what it trumps Pretty much ninety nine percent of what I hear in turn. Like, there's some really sick guitarists out there, mm-hmm. right? But Sanjay, just something about his playing. I really vibe with his, like how he plays and stuff like that. Because, like you know, I I love all that. Like, what are some of his other Racer projects? Shred and know. stuff oh, like that. Oh, uh, Sanjay has his his baby is called Wormhole, which is actually a uh-huh. slam band, which is funny. Like, he's 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 in the jazz fusion. He rips, but then he plays like, <laughs> just like. Three note slams just and shit. Yeah. It's, it's like, fucking beat you it's over the technical fucking though. Head he calls it tech slam, object. and I think that's appropriate. It, it reminds me of technical death metal. Yeah, and getting into the, uh, the genre, genre species. blending. Yeah, and there's he, a whole science of metal genres. That is a whole other conversation yeah, we, itself. <laughs> anyway, go well, ahead. He, um, I mean, he's shown me some of the stuff. It's incredible. But wormhole, gray lotus, uh, perihelion. And I don't know if he's doing anything else. I, I think that's about it. He's filled in for Veil of Noth on guitar. He's an equipoise, too. And he's an equipoise, <laughs> yeah. And, um, dude, Sanjay's just an animal. He That's an yeah. example of somebody that's so dedicated to their instrument and they just really bust the their ass. And, yeah. and it really shows. And he's just super humble. And 
he doesn't flex because he knows he doesn't need to because he just plays. Yeah. But yeah, man, he's I can't say he enough has, good things about him. He has the mindset that I have when I come towards like writing and stuff like that and playing. Like when I'm home, you know, I'm sitting there like I'm, you know, like for example, I'm trying to get my chops back up because just you know, and this is a thing with doing this technical stuff. Yeah, is you're that, in the process of recording your yeah, record right now. Exactly. Yeah, you're laying down guitars. And, uh, I'm definitely having to redo some stuff because like I'm noticing like, oh man, my tremolo picking like isn't is like. So you're listening tight. to the tracks you laid down, mm-hmm. critiquing them, and going back and redoing them. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm did. like, nah, this ain't dope enough, you know, for and technique reasons. Exactly, and, and it's for chops reasons. Co- it's a combination of that. I listened and I was like. I know what I sound like when I'm playing on lock and this doesn't sound like me when I'm playing on lock. And one of the big things was, you know, I'm starting, I'm working a a new schedule, new job and stuff like that. And I'm not playing as much as I used to. And I used to play like at least two hours a day. Yep. Like that was, did you have a routine? Yeah, I had a routine. I had a routine and a lot of people are against it, but Against I myself, what having a practice routine? Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, just riff, do this," and I'm like, the, "Nah, like nah, I have." Yeah. There were th- like two or three songs that if I was like, "Okay, shit, I only have this time to play," I'm gonna play these songs. And uh, yeah, one of them is um, "Cerebral Hybridization" from Fallujah. Yeah, like that is that covers so much. Yeah, as a music, if you as find a, song, a piece that that covers a lot of your uh, technique pieces that you need to address then right. that's, that's great because i'm so bad with that like i mm-hmm. i i made myself even a boot camp for and it's great i remember you showing me the like, first time it, I, I went through thoroughly and i spent like a week just like creating exercises that i guess from the uh the mindset of like an engineer i, I thought of all the finger economics and yeah and just kind of the mechanics of everything and i don't use it ever because i i just you know did I, you write it to attack your own weak points yeah well i wrote it to literally encompass everything that you know any finger strength like independence legato staccato any did any you write did, did you, do you have this written down oh it's all oh, tagged out i have it's it in beautiful. dropbox like if you want it i can send it I to you i do want it it's but it's beautiful and you it'll need to market that thing because if oh, he no, did I give market it away it, i give it away not even just to give away if he just marketed it it would be good promotion you could for give your it band. away for free but yeah. Yeah, you should put that out there. Yeah, I'm dude. sure there's tons of people that would want to use I have, that. I have, I've had a lot of people send it, or I've sent it to a lot of people, and they told me they love it. So Man, no it's, it's great because he's first of all, he's got a great mind at how he attacks stuff. I know I'm just like gassing him up right in front of him, and we're used to just roasting each other. But <laughs> Simulacra 2024. Uh, Simulacra will come out after Star Citizen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this this is this joke where Tyler's record's taking forever because I'm a procrastinator, we're, and, and we're getting there. Nick, we're we're addressing yeah, that. <laughs> and honestly, it's really funny because uh, like Nick is definitely a heavy force in the positive things that have happened with my yeah. musical career. Just. What did we meet at a sh- what? I don't even remember what show Dude, we properly met at. I just used to just... see six foot ten. Yeah, six foot ten black man with dreadlocks at metal shows. I was like, hey, yeah, this guy sticks out, and I'd say hi to him every time. I'm like, Dude, what's up? He's like, what's up, brother? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hails, yeah. brother. And, and I'd yeah. see him. And I just I, every time I go to a show, like one of the first thoughts in my mind is, man, I hope I see six foot ten black man. Yeah, and you were always like one of the chillest, nicest dudes. Like, yeah, yeah, get out of here. And I remember one show <laughs> we were like, yeah, let's exchange numbers and stuff like that. And like, or Facebooks and stuff. Got the digits. And 
like as we're doing it, the show starts and we just immediately just robotically just get into the show and we never see each other again after that. And then next show we're like, okay, we're doing it right now. Like we immediately, immediately ran into it. And we uh, eventually started hanging out. I think the first time we like really got a chance to hang out was, uh, you you had a cast on your foot and I drove you to your house. I don't remember what show it was for. I can't remember what show was it. Was it the contortionist? It was the contortionist. Mm, yeah. With uh, uh, Entheos. Yeah. Because we went and to Permanis. Right after that, yeah, unfortunately. But, oh, yeah. So there was, uh, touching upon that boot camp. So mm-hmm. I rarely use that. But I find that it's not like, yeah, it's cool to kind of break everything down to its bare bones in terms of technique. Like an mm-hmm. exercise wise. But at the same time, I know I need to play my material. So yeah. I have no problems with just practicing my material because inherently there's techniques that you can extrapolate from that. So right. I'm content with just like repeatedly learning my songs because from that I will learn synchronization of my hands or right. finger economy or this and that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe- Not to mention you, your practice is with a mission right now because you got this tour coming up. Yeah. So you don't want to waste your time on anything that's not going to help you with that. Not don't want to. I cannot. You can't I, afford like, to. Literally, I will be screwed because yeah. unless I'm going to backtrack my uh, I, I remember, guitars, which I don't want. To. I remember we were <laughs> hanging out. And is it I too think... late to make the record easier to play? Or? <laughs> I'll just I'll backtrack it. I got it. <laughs> so it's time to do a guitar solo and you just turn around and press play on a laptop and then just like chilling, hands behind your head. <laughs> that's what he does. <laughs> How much? How many of the solos on the record do you are you going to be playing live? Just like you mine. Got, well, you yeah, I know, but I how, mean, you've got three guitarists in your, in your band, and everybody's soloing, right? Like, I think every song I have at least one solo in for what what my live set list is. Yeah. Um, Sanjay is going to take over Phil's solos. I don't think I think yeah, Phil's, Phil's a busy man. I think Phil's touring elsewhere, touring whatever for his millionth band. Okay, you have some workhorses in your band, Phil. Dude. Phil's the other guitarist in our band. We have three, and Phil is just, I mean, he has, I think, at least, if you go in the metal archives, he has, like, ten bands he's in right now. It's insane. And he put out, between this year and last, he's put out five albums, I believe. Yeah, he's one of those prolific... uh, And they're all, of course, incredible. He's a little Wayne of death metal. No, he didn't... No, okay, he did a Cthulhu split. He did Zealotry. He did Serox, Cosmic Atrophy... And then that eternity's end one. Eternity's end, Oof. and then hours. Busy so, man. What I what I like about him is, uh, you know, I talk about that, you know, whole eighty shred stuff. Yeah, I like that, and I incorporate it and stuff in my cacophony mentality. And my point. Oh yeah, cacophony, yeah. all that jazz, like Nitro, Racer X. He is. I remember the first time I heard like him just doing licks, I was like, "Oh, this dude's a Tony McAlpine fan." Like, I was like, Tony "I can McAlpine hear that." Is sick. I'm first of all, him the soon. man. I'm uh-huh. going to that show too. I'm super excited. Yeah. Well, we're going to different ones. Oh yeah, we're going to different ones. <laughs> uh, we're going to see Fallujah, right? Oh yeah, um, but I'm also excited Maybe. to see Arch Echo. Yeah, they, they're opening, and they're probably like one of my favorite bands right now. You dare speak ill the mighty Arch Echo? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Phil Tugas, if you don't know who he is, like that dude has just where I'm like, oh yeah, I really dig that like shred stuff and like I'll incorporate it into my like playing as a rudiment to keep myself honest and stuff. That dude is one of those guys. Like yeah. that dude just pure beautiful shred, like stank facing, just licks all day. Yeah. Um, but uh back on like, you know, just being a technical musician and stuff and yeah. like keeping yourself honest and things like that. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I had this point about staying honest as a musician. Um, do it. So okay. 
<laughs> but uh, back to my whole point is that, you know, um, I'm listening to myself playing. I'm like, ah, oh, like, this isn't as good as I usually can be and stuff. Yeah. And to, to put it in simpler words without, you know, kind of like extrapolating forever, you kind of want to, like, <laughs> can you please stop? <laughs> like, I can't focus with you burning a bottle in front of me. It's good yeah, for the environment. Wow. It's better I'm not on. filming right now. Yeah, dude, come on. Um, please, please edit, edit all this out. Um, so back to the whole, um, just I'm like edit this whole thing out. Yeah. <laughs> delete um, my whole life. <laughs> New episode. Um, so back to the whole keeping yourself honest, like writing wise and stuff, you know, having a new job and stuff like that. I'm playing less and I'm noticing those differences in my playing. I'm noticing what's weaker. I'm noticing that stuff. Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, all right time for me to kind of reevaluate things figure out what i'm weak on yeah you're gonna need you know? to prioritize certain things exactly that suffer in your because most people only have a limited practice time i remember a friend of mine um he was re- he was about to start recording his album he was working at wendy's and he was like all right like i'm taking leave like he saved like one of the things he saved up for was to just take like a few weeks off to record all of his guitars he's fucking amazing yeah he's uh it's a uh, uh gabe mandel uh he's currently a guitarist to uh, enterprise earth oh yeah i like, like them, yeah. oh dude they're great and uh luciferius is a ripper like what i've heard of it definitely check it out because like he is a sick musician his band delusions of grandeur i always loved uh, in pittsburgh um he's just he's a workhorse i remember him talking about just like yeah like i like took time off at work to record my guitars to just bust it all out and you know he's one of those people who keeps his chops up yeah so that was more of a time thing you know just him busting through it i was gonna say i'd be like that's what i'm trying to work on we're talking about the procrastination and stuff and but you and me are have the same (laughs) the same issue there like i need to i got to be really vigilant with like time management stuff because i will just get off on something and completely not take care of what i was absolutely doing absolutely yeah uh right now too um other it helps to have other people like you and nick hanging mm -hmm. hanging out and stuff is it helps to have people to be accountable absolutely he's one of the best friends someone to bust your balls and yeah yeah but that only goes so far i mean at the end of the day it's me i realized yeah yeah, like you have to realize (laughs) you are accountable for yourself and i i noticed like i catch myself all track you know it was kind of i think my vocalist stevie confronted me about it I wasn't like vicious confrontation or anything. He just like he called you on your like. Hey, bud, he called me. Know. He's like, hey, he said, and he said something that was so important to me. He said, hey, like you're the one leading this band, so if you expect anything to get moving, you have to set yeah. the pace. Because I was kind of like always, I was like, oh, hey, can you do lyrics for this or can somebody do that? I was trying to get people to do stuff, and I realized like, you know, you guys are totally right, or you know, you're right. Like, I can't be, le- I, I can't be letting you guys make the moves i need to set everything so then yeah and that was a big thing for me and you echoed that to me yeah, as I, well. I cracked down and i, I echo it to colin as well i said colin like you know if we want to get shit moving you need to get the ball rolling because colin I, of violent depravity by I, the way. Ha- I have my own project we all have our own babies and like you can't if you have other projects that's cool but like you the the helm leader of every project needs to get the ball rolling yeah you know yeah. it's not just being a composer and a musician in the band you have to be the driving force right and if you don't do that then 
All Nothing's motivation, happen. Yeah. morale is just non-existent. And right. it's, it's, it's a lead by example. If you don't take it seriously, then nobody else is going to take it seriously. Right. Plain and simple. You're the you're the spearhead, so you're the maximum. So yeah. if you're not putting the effort in, everyone's always putting less than you. Right. And that's something I learned because I was sitting there like, you know. It's the difference between being a leader and a boss. Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. Boss yeah. tells you what to do. Leader <laughs> Have you ever will... seen the picture? It's like the, uh, I, think, I, I think it's people being, are dragging like a cart. Uh-huh. And then it's either, there's the one of the, the boss is sitting in the cart and the leader is pulling with them. Right. And and I always thought that was an incredible kind of whatever yeah. analogy, if you will. Yeah, no doubt. But it's, what all, it's, always, it's always unfortunately used in like really bad yeah, Facebook like, memes, but it's a yeah, good message. Like crappy, but it's a great message. Crappy like minimum wage like, jobs. Oh, or, oh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a lion among the wolves. <laughs> like, lion, lions do not care about the... The opinion of sheep or some yeah, dumb it's the kind stuff. Of the alpha male sits in the back because because he's it's got like his on the wall light. in the kitchen at McDonald's and stuff. To get yeah, these poor people to. But um, my biggest thing was uh, you know, because financially I'm not like I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm, I'm broke, send me like you know, but just like it's not like I have like super expendable money. Like when I have money, yeah, to put you're into my, working dude, you're a normal yeah. person. And uh, <laughs> my biggest thing was I kept bullshitting myself i kept saying you know oh man like i don't have like i need to get a good logo which i got that and then i'm like oh man like what am i going to do about album art what am i going to do about shirt designs you 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 were using this as excuses this is one of the things i started calling tyler out because i realized i was living it i was like tyler you don't need art you don't need to worry about paying people just record the damn music and like i realized that recording my music and recording my riffs or doing whatever Get the ball rolling costs zero dollars. It takes zero dollars exactly. to, you know. And on top of that, production after that. Yeah, production. When I'm done with the guitars, everything else is production, communicating things of like that. I can just do that heavy lifting during that production. Right. Production is an angle. Like it's it's not because I noticed you took an unorthodox approach where you have Evan kind of doing things in between, whereas the typical and, approach is and the way I actually. You actually helped me out with that a lot yeah. because a lot of things are now way more streamlined. I talked to him about that after you talked to me, which I'll let you explain. And the things are way more streamlined now. It's way less. I used to feel like there was this gray that I had to just pluck things out of and yeah. try to make nothing with. And then I realized I'm like, I'm making the gray area. Yeah. You, you, know? you know, you. it just it comes down to those Whoa. things. It's, it's like <laughs> a, it's a it's such a tough thing for a lot of musicians because a lot of there's people no finite like, path there's so much ego yeah. in, in in the musical scene oh, yeah, that it's like, yeah. it's hard for people to hold themselves accountable a lot of times. Mighty. I, maybe I have a different approach, but I beat the shit out of myself when it comes to anything. Like I always yeah. tell myself like, Oh Nick, you, you slacking fuck. Like you need to do this and you need to do that. And it helps me stay accountable and stay honest. Cause yeah, if you don't hold yourself accountable, then you're never going to get that ball rolling as we were kind of expanding on before. And you can't, right. you know, you can't lay out any excuse. You have to focus on the now and worry about the rest later. That's that's the biggest thing. Do not worry about anything that lays ahead. Just worry about what you need to get done now. Yeah. Do what's in front and, of you. And don't make yeah. excuses for it. Just get it. Right. Like there's there's no excuse. Like even my other guitarist, like I know he has ideas. I know stuff he wants to add in. And I'm like, well, what he at wants to add in is all supplementary to the base of it all. And I don't have this base built. He was like, oh, cool. I want to add this cool lead section to this passage here. Yeah. And I'm like awesome like cool because it's all like that simple passage he was referring to i'm like it's already done because i just finally cut the bullshit yeah, there's an example the yeah like instead of like instead of relying on him for mm-hmm. example and, and seeing what it gets done like mm-hmm. 
because then, and I'm I don't know what pace he works at, but if you have that in your mind, then you're gonna be able to tell yourself, oh, okay, well, I can relax now because I can exactly. wait on him. Exactly, and and that's a big thing, and it's so much more than just music with that. That's a life thing. Yeah, but if you know? if you wait, if you decide like. You know, screw it. I'm just gonna lay this out anyways, and then mm -hmm. if he wants to come in and replace the section, then let that happen. Right. Yeah. Because then you've held yourself accountable. Right. Any, this is universally good exactly. advice. Right. Any anytime you have a chance to feel like you can kind of slack, that you need to remind yourself like, hey, I, I'm I'm falling victim to this. I'm finding an excuse. Yeah. Right. To and not do something. Do, do something. Right. Like I try to. Whenever I'm in like a really bad spot, it's like I try to. Do something today. At least if you can do one thing. <laughs> right. That's a big a thing. thing with because I, you know, I, I have depression and stuff like that. Yeah, me and too. That is and a lot what of I people do. Yeah. And a lot of musicians do. Yeah. I we, found I yeah. found when I moved to Chicago that I, it was my first time in my life. I think I was ever quote unquote depressed. Like, yeah, I'd go to work and then I'd go home and lay on the couch and watch TV. That's and, and yeah. I, I tried to force myself to do music. But then I, I just kind of took it in strides. Like, I'd do something here and there, but I never took it serious. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then I moved to Columbus, and I said, dude, enough is a fuck enough. Like, I need to get off my ass. So this is where I got super serious. I started going to work, coming home. I'd spend eight hours a day working on music until I went to bed. No fucking around. Like, I'd go mm -hmm. in, get on the computer, sit in my uncomfortable ass chair, do it for eight <laughs> hours, go to sleep, wake up, do it for five days. Weekend would come around, spend 16-hour days on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Do it again. Like, I was just everything music. And it sucked to, like, kind of get into the motion of it. But once I did start getting into it, it's kind of like any—it's just a routine. Like, right. if, if you start working out, if you start dieting. Right. Once you get into that routine, it becomes so conditioned that you just kind of get used to doing it. And you know it's the right thing to do. Right. And, and I found that, like, I was so productive. And I was just hammering shit out. And I'm so glad I was able to force myself into that because— yeah. I mean, you've certainly got a lot to yeah. show for it at this point. I don't know how delayed that album would have been if I didn't force myself. But that's a fourteen-track album. I, I did. It's a monster big piece of work, album, dude. For for every, what's the runtime on your? On like your an album? hour, sixty-three right? minutes. Yeah, that's long for yeah. a rap, for yeah. a death metal record. I, I realized in that whole process that I was there. Of course, I had my bandmates that mm -hmm. were contributing, but everything I did, nobody helped me with but myself. Right, because I didn't need them because it was everything on my on my own shoulders and. That's when I kind of like woke up. I was like, yeah, dude, like I need to always hold myself accountable. I can't find right. any more excuses and I need to be on my shit. Yeah, and, so. and that's one of those things that it's like, I've been told it before. And it's really funny because I remember just like growing up and like my dad would say things like he's like, you're not going to get this right now. One day you will. And like, it'll make sense. You know, he and it's not and it wasn't an insulting thing. It right. was like, I know like this means this to you right now. But it was like as you grow up in age and experience things, Perspective, like this will understand. change. Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't saying it in an insulting way; like he was giving me good advice. And he's like, "Well, this is going to age of sorts." And that's that's know? the almost like the ego thing. And not saying you're egotistical, but it's right. like the ego thing where it's like you can't accept taking criticisms or you can't yeah. you can't that be willing was, to grow. And that, that's right. what it is. You got to be willing to grow as a person. And I think that's what the reason I lean on you and my other guitarist, my band, Dan, so much is because. Everybody who wanted to work with me in music I was seeing were giving me this yes man mentality and I'm the kind of person who I don't want to be the smartest person in the room like that's getting me nowhere. Yeah. That's just stroking myself and I do that nightly. I, I have my time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Edit it. Uh, you know, the whole idea of uh, people who wanted to join in my band, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, this is awesome. You know, cool shit. And that's not what I wanted. Right. I wanted, and I remember the first time 
I showed my other guitarist my music. I just showed him guitar pro stuff, and he was like, dude, this transition sucks. Right. Like, he didn't say it like that exactly, but he was definitely yeah, like, but he's this honest transition with you. definitely needs work. And right. that's when I was like, already me and him kind of had this like connection guitar wise. Mm-hmm. And then he criticized my music critically and respectfully. Like, just yeah, it's, you what saw I you want. could work together. Yeah. And I was like, this is the fucking guy. We're going to wrap it up. I got to get out of here. Big thanks to Tyler Cox. Much love, Nick man. Padovani. Simulacra. Keep an eye out for upcoming beautiful music coming from Simulacra. Equipoise. Equipoise. <laughs> Get the album out on Artisan Era, Demiurgis, um, which is killing it right now yeah. in the sales, by the way. Great record. Doing nice. Yeah. And Wasn't it also on the Billboard Heat Seekers? It I'm going to scream my head off. Yes. <laughs> we charted number 25 on the Billboard. He's a very humble man. For a tech All death right. record, that is. That still blows my mind. That's, that's awesome. Dopeness. Because he's a good guy and Yeah, that's, 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 that's what the consumers were thinking that I didn't know. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> Nick Cadavani, he's a good guy. That's the only reason they Let's buy get it. him on. Yeah. The music's terrible. You're Nick's, nice Nick's networking techniques are a <laughs> whole nother conversation. Another time, that's a yeah, whole nother that thing, yeah. would actually be something great to talk about, i I need say. some help with uh, that, he, and I think most people do. He laughs at people my don't poor under, attempts. People don't understand <laughs> You can't just make music in a vacuum and expect yeah, it. Yeah, you to, can't. You can't. Like make people s- aren't going to just come and seek you out because your riffs. The are dope. era, the era of local promotion is dead. As far as I'm Over. concerned, it, there's no need because you can time. literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't even we'll, we'll don't unravel this thread. You're right though. Yeah, but anyway, all right. <laughs> Let's so. keep that wrapped up. Let's keep <laughs> that right. simulapped up. <laughs> Until next. Time. All right. And I want to say thank you again to my good friends Tyler Cox and Nick Padovani. If you enjoyed this rousing panel-style conversation that I had with them, you may also like the episode featuring Tyler and Nick on my other show uh, called The Dark Side Podcast. That's D-A-R-C Side Podcast. You can find that on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play as well. And if you like this show, the best thing that you could do is rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram, on Twitter, at Matt Elias Music. And you can get me by email at EliasMatt at Live.com. Also, you can go to MattEliasMusic.com to find links to all my podcasts and my music and my video content on YouTube. So thank you again, and I will catch you on the next episode of Matt Elias Music. Music.